Yes, what is good? You are tuned into Mango Masala, Pi Radio's South Asian show. My name's Gerns, and I'm joined here today by Simran. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Uh, how are you doing, first of all? I am actually really good because the sun is shining. The weather is actually banging today. Mm. And my dissertation has been submitted for its first draft. My coursework's are done for the year. You know, life is good. It's been a good week. Things are reopening. You know what, even when you're talking about it, like, even though it's, like, good, like, it's all been submitted, it's just going to be, like, really bad nostalgic throwbacks to, like, deadlines yeah. and that, like... When I come back next week and I've got my feedback and I still have to, like, redo a hundred million things and still write, like, 3,000 words on top of that, then I won't be as happy. But for now, because I've got nothing to do, we're happy. Temporary bliss. Yes, that's the word. How oh, are you? I'm all right, yeah, it's just same old, really, isn't it? Like, it's definitely, like... I haven't been out much, so I'm really, yeah. we'll talk a bit about that later, but the fact that like, obviously stuff's reopened and I don't know, like I was kind of like a bit, um, not nervous, but interested to see when we mm-hmm. came here because obviously it's a Saturday, but like non-essential retail is reopened now, but I saw like a sign for a carpet sale here or something, but yeah. like I didn't, there doesn't seem to be that many people around here still, so I don't know no. what's going on with that. But, but like even um, driving here, there's like a retail park across the road and oh, I was like, yeah. I am going there afterwards. I was like, just, just <laughs> for no reason, don't need anything, just going to go spend money for no reason. But I was like, just because you can walk around a shop now, it just feels nice too. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it'll still take some getting used to to actually being able to do that. But I suppose, like like you say, like doing it is like the way to actually get back to that being the norm sort of thing. I guess the last thing is just to get rid of these masks now. Yeah, but then even then, like, I don't know how long it's going to be for that. And I feel like a lot of people continue wearing them, actually, because like you, like you, you, you said before, didn't you, about how like you've not got ill because you've been wearing yeah, it. Yeah, because I think washing your hands and sanitizing your hands all day long wearing the mask you know usually you get like the november through february you, you'll come down with a cold at least once or like a proper flu or something mm. not once and not even like most people i know say the same thing like they haven't even come down with like even a slight cold or anything in the last like six months which mm. is crazy and obviously i think it's gonna have something to do with the fact that well a no one was really out anyway but the when we were out there was like no germs being transferred anywhere yeah or certainly a lot less than there yeah. would have been yeah now, like, I'm already a bit like, I might have to get public transport in the coming week. Um, and I'm just a bit like, this isn't me like turn my nose up at public transport. I'm just like, the idea of doing that again scary. is kind of weird. Like, in a, in a sense, it is kind of scary. That's why, like, fair enough, I did say, like, I do kind of want to get rid of the mask thing. That's probably the last step to going back to, like, what we used to know as normal. But I'm not against the mask thing, A, because of the getting yeah. sick thing, and B, just like the germs thing. It doesn't bother me that much. When you're on, like, the London Underground, Mm. and like you're packed in there like sardines nah i'm good nah (laughs) a mask would not be like a bad shout never you never catch me in london unless i absolutely need to be there yeah when it was um eat up to help out last year we were going out in london like Mm. like three times a week rip to my bank account Mm. but um yeah we were going london so much but those tubes Nah, that's a COVID hotspot if I've ever seen one. Yeah, like it's it's impossible. Like, I don't I don't see how you could like even if you were to do the whole like um, social distancing thing and like people impossible. like not sitting on one chair or that like it's still so compact. Like still like from the few terms that I have been on it, the way to describe it is that that like the warm breeze. Yeah, it's like, nasty. It doesn't feel hygienic. It no. feels gross. Like. You don't want to be there. No one wants to be there. I will say I'm kind of impressed. Like I've been thinking about it. And I'm like, I'm kind of impressed at how 
it was actually built like just thinking about the fact that this impressive. all exists it like, is incredible like the way it's built and then like the structure of the network is like amazing but obviously it was built a long time ago yeah that, that's the other thing you like know? back way back then the fact that they dug under and also yeah, like yeah. escalators have only been a thing for like like i know it will have just been stairs before them yeah. but still like the idea of them having the stairs going down well yeah like deep, when you like, go down then you look back up the escalator you're yeah. like wow we're like really deep underground right now like it does go far but um like the oldest line the bakerloo line um when you go on there you can tell it's old those seats are dusty like you know if you like hit it you could see like all the dust come out of it nasty well like i don't know if it's post-covid but like talk like that just gives me like shivers yeah well that's another thing that i was speaking about with my friends like this kind of post-covid germophobia that Mm. i think everyone's gonna have and it's kind of I think it gives way to a sense of anxiety as well that a lot of people are going to experience trying to get back out there and interacting with people, especially when they're you're in certain cases, like the, the underground, for example, or when you're like out maybe after a few drinks and kind of social distancing goes out the window, you know, when you can't really help but be close to people in like queues yeah. or in, a, in an environment where everyone's packed in. Yeah, and I, I think in some ways it's positive because it's kind of like people should have kind of been thinking about that anyway and some people like some people just yeah. didn't think to wash their hands or didn't think like oh, facts, give, give people facts. some personal space yeah. sort of thing but on the other hand obviously it's not great if it's gonna increase feelings of anxiety amongst the general public well, this is so. the thing, like, i'll even be in like asda and someone will come a little bit close to me to like reach over mm. to the cheese or something and i'm like oh my god move i'm like you're way too close to me right now you know yeah like, do you get that as well uh, I think I actively try to stay away from people, so I don't really like. And I, I was doing that before COVID anyway. Like yeah. I just give you every time I speak space. to you, like every time I speak to you, you're like, ah, I'm just didn't did, didn't leave the house again. Like, yeah, no, just chilled. Like, like exactly like the past week, like it's been April the twelfth. Like I'm I'm going out tomorrow, so yeah, that'll nice. be nice. But um, yeah, in Manchester. Yeah, so that'd be nice. But we'll come on to that later. We've got a whole section dedicated to um, April the 12th and basically feeling good about being able to do stuff again. But Apprehensive, be- but good. Yeah. But before we get to that, want to cover a bit more like serious type topics, if that's all right. Um, so a lot of this that we're about to talk about relates to um, America and it's basically a series of events that have happened in the past week. And I'm going to be honest from the get-go, none of them are good, guys. They all involve mm-hmm. death. So that's why we're just talking about this at the start, just to kind of get this not out of the way, but kind of just talk about the negative stuff first, so then at least we can have a bit of fun later. So the first thing to discuss is um, Dante Wright. Um a lot of you will probably know that name. If you don't, I've got up the facts here. Um, basically, he was a 20-year-old man living in Minneapolis in Minnesota. And if you don't know, that's also the state um, where George Floyd lived and lost his life. Um, on Sunday, the 11th of April, he was driving his car with his girlfriend to get a car wash. Um, and he was pulled over for having air fresheners on his rearview mirror which i know that sounds a bit ridiculous but apparently that actually is uh, an offense in that state um so he was pulled over and whilst he was pulled over um the police realized that they actually had an existing warrant after his arrest now um one thing i wanted to ask before we go ahead and um, simon did you know that actually like what 
his warrant was for. It was something really silly, wasn't it? Yeah, so it was two years ago. Um, and again, this is what I've read online. I would like to say that beforehand, if anyone starts coming out as with facts, this is what I've read. Two years ago, um, he was caught smoking one joint of yeah, marijuana and he was handed a ticket for it and I think it was like $75 plus 81 for like expenses sort of thing because obviously the pandemic um I think something got delayed with it and he basically he hadn't paid that amount which is like less than $200 it's like it's, it's minor but that was what the warrant was for to basically to make him pay that money for like for that little bit bear in mind again this is America where in some states cannabis is literally legal, legal. um so yeah that's what the warrant was for but i think they started arresting him and basically again like i don't even think anyone's really in a position to kind of critique what someone does in that type of situation because like you like until you actually been pulled over by the police like you kind of you don't think about it and i can imagine especially in america when they've literally got guns you kind of do feel a bit panicky sort of thing and obviously he started to panic and I've actually seen the video, um, and I've not seen it. I couldn't yeah, watch it. This is the thing, like, because I wrote about it for Pi as well, yeah. but I was like, I'm not sharing the video because like, course, I don't want. Like, I watched it so that I could like write exactly what has happened, so that I can say I've seen this and like I've yeah. I, like that sort of thing. But like, there's a whole conversation about how we are getting incredibly like, desensitized to just oh, seeing um, black men or black people being killed, and it's just like we just get it, it's the norm and i know that because i when i saw this i was still it's it still was really bad watching it but like it just doesn't hit you like that's just like it, it's it, it's, it's, just, it's got to a point now it's so senseless and now we're so used to seeing these kinds of videos where we don't even acknowledge the like scale of what we're watching anymore like it doesn't even trigger anything in us anymore mm. like to the point where you don't feel anything anymore watching it yeah it's disgusting yeah. and it's horrible to watch but We've just got to a point now where that kind of stuff doesn't have the same impact that it should. Mm, but, but it is frightening. With regards to what actually happened, um, so again, like what, the reason why I was saying I've watched this is because I literally saw that he actually was the least amount aggressive ever. It was that, I don't understand. I think there's also questions to be raised about the way in which they were actually arresting him because he was able to get out very easily. <laughs> like, clearly they were, did, did, were not doing things the way they're meant to do yeah. them sort of thing. Um, and, like, he, he wasn't really aggressive. It was, it was just more like a kind of pushing, like, sort of thing. Like, mm-hmm. he was literally sat in the driver's seat and you can see from the body cam footage that it was a female officer... Um, started shouting start resisting taser taser next thing you know um shots fired um and um dante drove off he was able to drive like a couple of blocks before he crashed into another vehicle and then was pronounced dead upon scene bear in mind his girlfriend was in the seat the whole time and also like obviously suffered injuries but also the mental trauma that's associated that i can't imagine um but yeah, and you see, like, because it's the body cam footage of the female officer that sh- um, shot him, she was immediately afterwards like, oh, oh, I shot him, oh, like, you know what I mean? Like, sort of, like, surprised. And basically, the story that's come out afterwards is that she um, meant to use her taser, but used a gun. Now, as of today, I think she actually is being held in a um, facility 
and has been is going to be charged or has been charged with secondary manslaughter. Um, but the whole thing has like caused up a massive uproar, like, and as it should do, because I think it all comes down again to like what I was saying before about the way that people react. Why do we expect um people to react normally when they've got a gun pointed at their face? Um, yet it um we don't expect the same from the police officers. And it's the exact same thing here. Why? And this this person, I think I saw they were in the, um, I think it was like twenty five years they were in the force for. So like, if they've been in the force for twenty five years, how do they not know the difference between a taser and a gun? And even if you are someone that's like a newly trained professional, if you're give, being given a weapon that can actually take away someone's life mm-hmm. just like that, why are you like like you, you need to know? Like I'm not. It, I think we can kind of have a discussion now about like, the feeling of guns anyway. Like, I'm literally like, I don't understand. I, this is one reason why I, I would just, I have no desire whatsoever to ever live in America. Never. Like, the thought just, like, terrifies me. Yeah, like, growing up, I feel like you see America and you're like, that looks amazing. Yeah. That's so much better than the UK. Like, that's, like, the ideal place. Everyone has, like, a plan to go live in America somewhere. Then you grow up and you actually realise what the re- reality of living in America is like. And it's just like, yeah. I'll pass. Yeah. Have you ever been to America? I've been to New York. Mm. um, And I really enjoyed it. But even while I was there, I knew, like, I could never, ever live here. Like, it would never... You didn't didn't even feel safe being there? Yeah. No, like, you're just constantly, like... It's kind of like... I sort of sometimes feel that way when I'm, like, in um, airports sometimes. Or, like, you know, or when you're on a plane, you're kind of, like, constantly, like... um, On edge a little bit. On edge a bit. Like, oh, like, we could crash. Mm -hmm. We could do that. You're like like that the whole time in America. You'll be in, like, a shop and you could be like, anybody here could have a gun. Yeah. Anyone could have one under their thing. I don't know how it works in whatever state. You know, you can have concealed carry. You can't have concealed carry and stuff like that. Mm. But, like, you could think anyone could have a gun. Anyone could do anything. And there's not a lot of protection. Yeah. There's not a lot that I can do. And the whole thing is... Like, the people that are pro-gun, a lot of them in America, a lot of them are like, well, it's my right to be able to defend myself. Mm-hmm. But it's like, would you need to be defend yourself to that extreme if people didn't have those guns yeah. in the first place? Like, uh, and like, I firmly stand by the belief that that policewoman who um, unfortunately shot Dante, that if you can't tell the difference between a gun and a taser, you shouldn't have the authority to use either. Yeah, and certainly if you're going to take that risk, then you need to be willing to be held accountable for that as is hopefully going to happen um, what what that is reflective of is the state of policing in america where they just so nonchalantly reach for a weapon that she mm. couldn't even take the time to decipher oh this is not my taser this is a gun yeah and whilst then, literally yelling taser taser yeah and using it anyway the mm. the thought process must have been so quick to just literally go down and grab a weapon yeah. and use it and she couldn't even like make the difference. And again, this like, and this is not me even condoning that if Dante had had a weapon, but like Dante, it wasn't even like she was thinking, "Oh my gosh, that I could die right now." They've got mm-hmm. a gun, and they might be able to, they might be about to shoot me. Literally, he was sitting in the driver's seat, about to drive off. Yeah. Be out of, be out of your hands. Her like, life was not fa- threatened. Like, fair, you can like pursue him later. Like, mm-hmm. it, this is a warrant over a marijuana kind of charge. Yeah. Like, literally. Uh, just... It's a joke. Like the amount of things that people get killed for in America, black men especially, like toy guns, mm. you know, like kind of resisting arrest when you're not even resisting arrest, mm. silly warrants like this, a lot of marijuana charges and stuff. People get arrested for it. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. I think that's why people found it quite um, 
disturbing when you see a lot of um these like cool like um documentary type things about these people in other areas of america um especially when they're um white individuals that are able to um take advantage of the fact that weed is legal there and they start these businesses and it's like oh they're so innovative they're starting these in businesses when you literally have so many people especially um black people that are incarcerated across the usa but for for just having a small bit of of that and yet they're being praised for being innovative and like starting this business around it like well exactly to your point that people are getting literally murdered over cannabis charges from what a mm. year ago pre-covid times for Mm. less than 200 dollars worth of like um marijuana that they had on them or what if 70 dollars plus tax or whatever it was um so a very 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 insignificant amount of money versus the people that are making multi-million if not billion dollar organizations and corporations based off of marijuana business in america Mm. the juxtaposition is crazy you know what it is as well it's that we all know like this system of mass incarceration just serves because Mm -hmm. there's so many private prisons in america it's it it's like people say slavery never ended it just turned into mass incarceration because literally they're just making money off largely black populations in america like and the whole the whole like three strike thing it's like you can have um three minor offenses and once you have that final third one you can get locked up for a very long time and so it's so easy for people to kind of fall into that like america is like a video game at this point like it's such a joke the fact that like joe biden came out the other day and literally this is a slightly separate issue but spoke about the mass shootings in general that have occurred in 2021 alone Mm. i think in like indianapolis and somewhere Mm. um there's been like three this year alone and like they've been like very serious ones or three maybe in like the last month very basically in a very small time frame i'll fact check but he just said he called it a national embarrassment do you know what I mean? It is. Uh, and it's and like, it is. It is like, and then when he's saying that, it's not referring to just the um, the fact that those particular shootings. It's like the fact that it is a. It's it's like a. It's a thing. Like I don't understand. I, I actually just, generally don't understand how Americans like go about their day. Just like yeah, I could because I think obviously anyone could die today. You could die today. I could die today. Obviously, touch wood doesn't happen. But like it's <laughs> it, it could happen. But in America, it there's so much more likelihood of you running into some crazy person yeah. who's just like that is armed yeah and dangerous like, you know uh, and we'll come on to the um shooting in indianapolis in a second but just whilst we're on the topic of um police dealings with shootings um i wanted to tell you about um adam toledo which i don't think you'd heard about um so just like yeah. to fill you in on that um so um adam toledo was a 13-year-old boy um, in Chicago in America. Um, and now, obviously, this doesn't bear anything on, like, the fact that he was killed. Like, he shouldn't have been killed. But for context, um, he was known for basically being associated with um, gangs and that. Like, that's, that's the information we've been given in that area. And... What happened was another member of that gang that he was associated with had um, shot at a passing by car, um, which had drawn the police to the to that area, um, and the police arrived. And I think um, Adam was with this other guy. And as soon as the police arrived, they basically like split. 
and this is where the body cam um, footage starts. And again, like, unfortunately, I've seen this. Like, and um, the police officer, I don't know why they started pursuing, like, um, this Adam rather than the other guy who actually shot him because, of, I don't know, maybe he was, like, easier, an easier target yeah. because, like, he's this little kid. But, yeah, he started running and he was going down this alleyway. And, again, in the video footage, we see... Um, I think Adam kind of realises that he's not going to get away and the police um, officer is shouting, put your hands up, put your hands up. Of course, Adam puts his hands up and you literally see he puts his hands up. He's standing up with his hands up and the officer fires one single shot at him and obviously he he lost his life, basically. And again, like... The body cam footage continues after that, and immediately afterwards, the officer like runs over to him. I don't know, don't know whether this is like fate concern or literal. I was going to concern- say saving fate. Yeah, right? but like literally runs over and is like, "Oh, are you okay? Or oh, I've got an need an ambulance here." Like, blah blah blah. Like, no, uh, you shot him. <laughs> yeah, and it's literally like there's a. And again, it comes comes down to what we were talking about before about there is question as to whether Adam actually had a weapon at the time. Um. Which, but then the point is he had his hands raised up in the air mm-hmm. and there's a whole I know time goes by really quickly in those circumstances but there's like a whole second where he's literally up there with his hands in the air mm-hmm. and then he gets shot it's and awful it's, it's like, why are you not trained to deal with these situations like also on one hand if you wanted to shoot the gun to scare him and to be like yeah the weapon I have a weapon and I'm not afraid to use it kind of thing shoot it up into the air you don't have to aim yeah. it at his body and then fire it. Not that he yeah. should have been firing it at all, I yeah. dad. But and also on the second, on the, on the other hand, even if he had a weapon, not saying he did, but even if he did and pointed it at the police officer, why? How could a thirteen-year-old fire a weapon better than a trained professional? Yeah, it's like even like even if like people, because this is the thing, all the people that oh, it it sounds so horrible to say, but they're actually people that are trying to justify this online. And they're coming at it with basically saying, yeah, he was associated with this gang and that gang, whatever. But you can't look at people's past yeah. when it comes to stuff like that. At the end of the day, a 13-year-old boy has lost his life at, at the hands of a law enforcement officer who's supposed to be mm. protecting those people. And it raises the question of, if you really want to look into someone like that's past, why, what are we doing to change the past yeah. of those boys and young people that live in those environments yeah. to stop that happening again? not to use that as a scapegoat to justification for why he's now been killed. Mm. And it really annoys me as well because there's always those people that are kind of like, and again, I know this because it's when I wrote piece um, pieces on the police um, anti-police bill protests that have been happening here and I shared them with various um, groups in the Manchester area. Um, the the comments uh, I I don't want to get into it too much but like they're overwhelmingly negative and the one message that I was getting mainly was don't do anything wrong and you won't get it won't get arrested yeah. do, if you don't do anything wrong if if you stick to the law then like nothing bad will happen to you but it's just like that's that's not true like yes um Dante Wright and um Adam Toledo did things against the law but they were nothing that would have warranted yeah. their life being taken and, away so senselessly yeah and adam toledo for example he literally had his hands up in the air he was he was but that's a child yeah. as well regardless of any circumstance criminal history convictions or um 
his history in general, what kind of background he comes from or anything in the matter, that is a child, mm. you know, and that blood is now on that officer's hands, no matter yeah. how much concern he wanted to show for the body cam. And again, it comes down to this, like, if we're going to give anything the benefit of the doubt, I suppose we can kind of say that it's a problem um, also with um, police training. Like, mm-hmm. uh, let's let's hope that this officer wasn't literally thinking, right, I might as well kill him. Like, yeah. I didn't have that, like, intent. Um, but if it is that, I think I saw something and it was like, I think police officers have maybe have like two weeks training in America or, or something oh ridiculous. God. Like it, it's it probably varies by state or something. But yeah, yeah there might be some states that are like that little amount of time, which is absolutely insane. And you're giving them guns. You're telling they are officers of the law. They are meant to enforce these mm-hmm. books. And you get you just. I think that's a kind of an issue with <clears throat> police on a global scale, is that obviously law is necessary in order for us to live in a society yeah. in which people follow rules and adhere to certain principles etc but when you don't necessarily think that much about who you're giving that power to to enforce it that's when i obviously people are going to take that advantage power of that is going to fall into the wrong hands and there's kind of like this assumption that a lot of people that go into this profession um, probably harbour feelings of resentment which they then want sure. to kind of take out when they're in this role yeah. and that's not me saying that is the case but there's a presumption that that is the case and mm-hmm. if I'm being honest they're not doing that much of a good job of pre- pre- um, issue, what's it called um, pre what's that word I've literally forgotten the word proving otherwise they're not they're not doing that good of a job of like proving otherwise that they are actually like (laughs) i don't know the potential is that you've got the power for people who have their own agendas and their own intentions for the world and based on their own like personal circumstances and history in themselves you know unresolved trauma and all that kind of stuff you're giving them weapons Hmm. that have the power to take lives away and you're on the scale and especially in a country like america where they're just in a sense like they just believe a certain like set of um principles that reflect a conduct that in some ways is always like is biased towards you know white people Mm. in a sense and like definitely it all like a certain demographic of people um and when you give when that fat power falls into the wrong hands that's when you get situations like this and that just reflects so poorly on the kind of standard of policing no it's a global problem like i want to i want to talk too much on this i'm about to talk about in particular because i don't want to center myself in regards to what we're talking about but um i had an incident which again it was um is like just before covid and it involved like a manipulation of power but on this time it was on the power of a on the part of a bouncer and basically i I think simran you've known me for like maybe like six seven months but i think you can probably assume that i'm not the most intimidating person (laughs) like literally um but basically um stuff happened um and it wasn't like basically basically i told the bouncer to stop manhandling my girlfriend and literally they slammed me onto the floor like concrete floor i literally in like i had like this massive swollen thing for like ages and 
I, I didn't even think, like, oh, report it to the police. It was because people afterwards told me, like, yeah, like, report to the police, like, what they've done is wrong. And I think this is the thing, and as bad as it sounds, um, I don't think I had much faith in the policing system before yeah. this, but I think until something actually happens to you, it kind of doesn't, it doesn't really, like, knock it into, like, nail it into place. And I think this kind of, like, was what kind of sent me, like, wow, like, this, this doesn't work for anyone. Um, and it was basically reported to the police. The whole thing was delayed, and I was kind of like, you know what, it's COVID, like, because this was just kicking off at this time, and I was like, yeah, whatever. And then eventually they got back to me and were basically like, yeah, like, we're not going to take it further. We that don't we don't bad. have any um, evidence. And then I was kind of like, I don't even, I didn't even want, like, any charges. I kind of just wanted them to be told not to do that to someone else, because yeah, if they're yeah. doing it to me, someone that, like, really isn't, violent and i didn't like resist or anything yeah. like i was literally just slammed onto the ground um then like what can i do and then the police literally and this is and again i'm not even i this is fact so like i can say this greater manchester police told me the police in some situations have to take um force based purely on appearance and how they think stuff is going to happen literally the policewoman on the phone said that to me i I knew at that point i was literally like this is this this is this is done like and that's what i mean it's it's a nationwide problem like and not not even nation global problem Mm -hmm. in that they think that as soon as they're in these positions of power that's them that's their green card to basically do whatever they want um they are the victims in any form of circumstance and but likewise, I think when that power gets given to anyone, like a bouncer even, do you know what yeah. I mean? That gives them the jurisdiction to act in a certain way, perhaps violently. And under the guise of what their job role is, it means they can get away with a lot of stuff. Yeah, and this this is what I was, like, really kind of just down about, was just that this thing, like, fair enough, obviously, COVID, so, like, stuff hasn't exactly been happening in terms of events and that, but they could easily do that again to someone who... For sure. Yeah, and I think again, like I, I could have had brain damage. Like mm-hmm. literally, like it, they were lucky that didn't happen on their yeah, part. Yeah. Like, and the, yeah, everything is just kind of messed up. You know, like it, it is like and going going back to America in in twenty twenty one alone, how many people do you think oh. have been killed so far by police oh in gosh. America? Is it over a hundred? Mm hmm. Three hundred. It's 265. My goodness. And that's like, it's not even four months, it's like three and a half. Yeah, like, 2021? Yeah. Oh my God, I think it's 2020. No, this is like in the past, since January the 1st, 2021. Oh my God, I said 300 for 2020. No, 265 Bad. so far in America. Uh, I can't even get my head around that. That is just heinous. Yeah, I think looking at the time, probably have to move off like yeah. the topic of um, police and that, but... um. Simran, do you want to take their head on this um this most recent shooting which happened in um, Indianapolis, um which I know a lot of the victims were actually um mm-hmm. Sikh, weren't they? Yeah. So, unfortunately, what happened a couple nights ago, I think now, yes, last night or maybe the night before, um, about eleven o'clock American time, a nineteen-year-old FedEx ex-employee, um 
basically came to his place of work and police say that he literally just got out of his car and just started shooting his rifle aimlessly and he just like as soon as he got out of the car he just started shooting mm. unfortunately eight people have died and seven others have been injured and a lot of the people who were affected were belong to the uh Punjabi community mm. and that place that um, FedEx um workplace is known for employing people from that community from the Punjabi community yeah. and known for employing immigrants and people that don't speak English as their first language that non-fluent English speakers so the place is known for that the shooter himself was an ex-employee so we most definitely knew that um he actually killed himself on site so we actually can't obviously get a motive well mm. we can but we can't get um his an obvious one yeah um yeah, I've got the stats. Not about ninety yeah. percent of the workers there have Indian heritage. Yeah, this massively yeah. Um, Indian there, and obviously four of the eight victims were um, Punjabi. Some of the injured people were Punjabi, and they were just you know people that were working their jobs. Mm. And I think it's another thing where like I spoke about this when we spoke about the farmers' protests a while ago, but oh, the cameras aren't recording. But um, it's a it ends up being like a really big hit, I think, when it happens in our, our community because it's such a small community. So when we see like the photos of people who have been affected, when, when you see the photos of people at, at the farmers' protests, the photos of people that have um, been victims of like this crime, for example, when they all come out, it really hits hard because it feels like, I feel like as a Punjabi, you do have such a strong tie to your culture your heritage and your roots back home so when you see something happen this adversely to somebody who looks like your grandma or granddad or a family member dressed in that way like with a turban on the head or with um what we call a jinni like the head covering it's devastating and it really 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 hits home mm. you know it's heartbreaking obviously the um the whole situation is heartbreaking it just reflects the bigger picture of gun control and the prevalence of mass shootings in america which is just awful and something needs to happen obviously that's that goes yeah. without saying but it's like we've been saying this like <clears throat> for time <laughs> like yeah. literally like it's the same that every time we're like something needs to happen something needs to happen but well this is the third mass shooting in indianapolis alone this year the other mm. ones were five people got killed the other one four or three people got killed and it's just ridiculous that in a state in one state you have these incidents and they're not isolated you can't say they're isolated at all because they all occur within such a short time span. It's just so reflective of the people's mindsets and intentions there. And it's mm -hmm. what is it behind that? What causes those intentions? And I feel like the police have said about this issue in particular, this one at FedEx, that they can't establish a motive. But the 19-year-old himself got um, arrested and he got a firearm taken away from him a year ago pre-covid i want to say um and they interviewed him and they said they found no evidence of racially like based extremism mm. but obviously i think that effect that just reflects on the standard of questioning that you're providing obviously if you can't find a motive and then a year later something like this happens which i believe is undeniably racist mm, I th or racially motivated yeah i think certainly you can't deny even at at the lowest level you can't deny that he was aware of who he was going For to sure. and the demographic like, of yeah, which that exactly. he was going to yeah. you know carry out this horrible act on so i think that just reflects on the police's standard of questioning when they did mm -hmm. bring him in for a firearms charge a year ago they didn't find any evidence of racial-based extremism mm -hmm. and that's just like 
I think that's really poor from them, mm. you know? And, um, yeah, so um, Biden's just been speaking about the state of America. Like I said, he's called it a national embarrass- embarrassment, which is absolutely right. They should be. Mm. But it's just an awful situation to happen. I think with guns as well, I think the reason why... Obviously, it's happening because people have such easy access to them over there. But I think it's also in the when you're ha- when you're in possession of a gun. I mean, I wouldn't know because I haven't held one. But um, it's so much easier to take someone's life with it. There's that mm-hmm. all you're doing is pulling pulling a yeah. trigger. You don't have to make any force of them. You could literally be like across really far away from them, depending on the type of gun you have, and shoot them they're dead yeah and you don't really need to process that like it's just it's you you might you might you yeah. might process it but like there's it's possible some people don't yeah. whereas say for example here obviously um it's it's horrible regardless how people die but obviously there's like stabbings and stuff and i think obviously that has maybe been on the rise but the act of stabbing actually obviously requires that like more. that force and you actually yeah. need to break through the skin etc and and stuff yeah i think also like it also sometimes takes a bit of him knowing where you're going to Mm -hmm. do it because in some places you can um like stab someone and it'll be fine in some places the moment that they don't that they're gonna like that's it like i think there's people that do that there's a lot more question as to their their mind and i think their ability to be able to do that than there is for guns in in my opinion i think there's a lot i think there's a lot less that needs to go through your head to just pick up a gun and like shoot it and not really think about it then you need to to literally go up to someone and their body there has to be some kind of cognitive process of which that you decide that you have all these racist intentions or these like really horrible violent thoughts are occurring to it has to be a process that occurs from the onset of these thoughts to actually acquiring a a deadly weapon and then making a plan and going about the action of mass murdering people you know he Mm. drove there he had time to like you know get ready get in the car drive to his workplace grab the gun and start shooting that is not like normal in a sense like he's he's thought about it he knows what he was doing he had an intention so how far like away from reality do you have to be at that point to get to that level of depravity and also the fact that he got arrested a year ago and a gun got taken away from him how did he even get the access to another one yeah i think that's the problem as well as that maybe not in this case of like mass shootings or whatever but you know just in terms of the amount of people that lose their lives to yeah gun violence in america um i think that is largely due to the fact that it's such easy access and again like it's a combination of easy access and also just like it's so easy to just do it like you don't yeah. need to think like i think say for example someone breaks into your home you're going to like, you don't even need to be near to them if you've got a gun you can just like take aim from ages away whereas if you were arming yourself with a knife you're going to be a lot less inclined to go up to these people yeah. that are like burgling you and kind of like stabbing because yeah. you're going to be scared of that like uh i don't know probably Precisely. and actually interestingly i've got some stats here as well and they've said that this year alone there's been 147 mass shootings 12,395 deaths 12,000 in 2021 that's just I can't (laughs) ridiculous 
And these are like pre, like, I think these numbers as well, like when you compare them to like COVID and that as well, it's like, it's crazy. Is it pandemic in itself? It is, Almost. definitely. I think we need to end it on that. But yeah, basically guys, you won't catch me or Simran going to live in America anytime Absolutely soon. Not. Maybe for like a quick holiday. Yeah, But definitely. somewhere very safe. We're going to be talking a bit more upbeat stuff now. So... <clears throat> April the 12th. <laughs> um, obviously, we've had a bit of discussion before about that like, lockdown and... Um, <clears throat> I don't know where my voice always goes literally when we're about to like start talking. But um, April the 12th, stuff's reopened. I actually haven't experienced it that much, but Simran, I've seen from your Instagram, you've had like <laughs> your drinks and that. So like, how has it been? I mean, it's been crazy because of uni work at the moment. I've had three deadlines this week, so... It couldn't have come at a worse time to have like 7,000 words during a week and then trying to get back out there, trying to like get back into gym and stuff. Like it's just been mad. But yeah, I did manage to get out on Monday and it was really nice. Like I was sitting by, um, we weren't for food and like even just ordering like food. I was like, this is so cool. Mm, I'm so, so happy. Cool. Uh, <laughs> it's like, you don't, I feel like you didn't realise what we were missing until it came back. And I was like, it's been so long since I've had this. It's, it's so nice. Mm. Because I feel like, Last, as in the main first lockdown, A, because it was short, the weather was nice and we didn't mm. really know what we were getting ourselves into. I feel like it was, I don't want to describe it as like a breeze, but compared to this one, it really was. It's kind of like a bit of a break, really, wasn't it? I think a lot of people a kind sense. of, a lot of people and kind of saw it as like a break from reality. I feel reality. like you have to recognise your privilege when you say that, mm, because obviously true. some people really did have a hard time. But for a lot of people, you know, you had the the coffee, the fluffy coffee period, the like yoga. So, everyone sorry, what, like what? What's the fluffy coffee period? You know the fluffy coffee. I thing. don't know the fluffy coffee oh, period. When you like whip it, it's like some Korean coffee. Everyone was making it. I'm surprised you didn't see that. I'm not done with it. It was the like kids, a massive guys. trend. Feel old. Yeah, you need to get back on TikTok again. Anyway, you know what? Yeah, it's fair. I haven't uploaded in a long time. Yeah. It's gone that. Um, you know, everyone was like home workouts or redoing their garden or something. I I redid my garden personally, like that but kind you of. You weeded your garden. I like redid everything. Like, oh, I thought you said like weeded. No, like... not weeded my garden. Like we just redid it. Like we sorted the so... whole thing out and the garage and stuff. Um, like everyone was home gymming and stuff. Like it was kind of for a lot of people. They found hobbies or they found like it as a nice time to kind of take a break from life. I feel like the following lockdowns have been. A collective struggle yeah and i think also knowing what you're getting into um the kind of feeling of being down because oh here we go again mm-hmm. but then also the fact it was winter and it was exactly, dark the and, darkness at like three yeah. yeah when that hit i could just feel the serotonin leave my body do you know what i mean mm-hmm. i feel like we all knew that was coming as well like yeah, we were all a bit yeah. prepared for it in a sense but i think nothing can really prepare you once it actually happened and it was dark you know like it wasn't Mm. a nice environment to live in not knowing that you could even go out or have any kind of fun with people and i think i said this before on the show that like they shouldn't have done the thing where they let us have freedom in summer and then again in like i want to say um september october early december they Mm. had let us do certain things like we were still going to like um in air quotes clubs you know the table service stuff like we sit on the table social distanced you could do that in december you know the first two weeks of december I've, I've, we've been so like hokey pokey in and out yeah. like i've literally forgotten like, <laughs> but like yeah, it, was, it was the in and out they're like giving you a little bit of freedom oh we'll take mm, it away we'll yeah. give it back to you for a bit and then we'll take it away again like that that uh, was what i think for me was really hard to get like my head around and kind of deal with because that i was like i'd rather just put me in a strict lockdown for ages in one mm. go and then open stuff up when it's safe instead of 
yeah. the in and out stuff. Well, I feel like that's what they've done now is that what Hopefully. Chris Whitty said, like, we're not doing any more lockdowns, as in people are kind of, and because of, like, vaccinations, like, people are going to, it's going to become, like, the flu, basically. Well, with Be- vaccinations, they've got little excuse to lock us down now, I feel, because... What more can they do? What more can they yeah. do, exactly? After a vaccination's been rolled out across the nation, you're right, what more can they do? Yeah. But also, I think me and you spoke about this, we about the pressure on June 21st as a date itself, yeah. just that one single day. Even though that's a preliminary like thing, he said he said if the infection rates go whatever, or yeah. it's, it's the first possible date that this could happen. But everyone's now got their mindset, as it was on April, 20th, uh, t- April 12th sorry, and June 21st. Yeah. I feel like if it doesn't happen, people are going to kick off. Yeah, I don't think people are going to... Like, I think there's a lot of kind of resentment for authority about at the moment anyway. So I feel like that'll be the final straw that breaks the camel's back, pretty much. Um, And that's not me inciting anything. That's me just saying I think that's what's going to happen. And, like, like, not not that it could change a lot because legally businesses wouldn't be able to open. You couldn't have, for example, a nightclub open on June 21st if Boris doesn't say that's okay. But it's about the public opinion and what people are going to do when they're that fed up of over a year at this point. Mm. What by that point would be what, fifteen, sixteen months in? Fifteen months, yeah. I think. Yeah, fifteen months. Like yeah. ridiculous. So I think people are really at their wits end right now. Mm. And April twelfth was a little like bit of sunshine, I feel like, in in people's lives, kinda of letting people get out there and get a little taste of it. But like you said, like we were speaking about in the break quickly, cities at the moment, <laughs> like on Monday, and I assume same happened probably yesterday, Friday night and tonight. Mm. social distancing out the window oh. I don't know though because like but the thing is as well who are the people that are doing most of the socialising it's the young people mm. who's the people who haven't got their vaccine yet the young, young people. people so it's just a bit like oh I don't know where was the logic when they were rolling yeah. out the vaccine well not they were rolling out the vaccine obviously it had to go in age order and stuff like that yeah. but if opening this before certain demographic and age groups got vaccinated yeah i mean i suppose the young people that are i I suppose maybe people won't get as ill from it because it'll be in like people but the people that would get ill have been vaccinated hopefully but that's the idea isn't it yeah but then also it's like it doesn't mean that it's not going to spread it's still going to spread loads but then also like like people not a lot of people have had their even second dose yet People that have had yeah. their first are still waiting the 12 weeks for the second. Mm. So, you know, I don't know. I feel like there was a bit of a disconnect in the logic when they started opening things on the 12th of April in terms of, like, people don't have the second doses. Young people haven't even had their first doses, a lot of them. Yeah. Where was the kind of thought process behind, eh, we'll just open yeah. everything except, you know, like clubs or whatever. But, yeah. you know. But, like, to be fair, like, I'm not one to not be critical of the way that the government does things. But I also am kind of a bit, like... I don't know. I feel like they all they were a bit of a push to kind of like they needed to reopen stuff like you can't close businesses for that yeah. long. Like on, yeah, on that hand, I do agree. Yeah, I feel I feel like I think the problem is, in my opinion, I don't think there's been a real proper thinking thought process behind it. I think it would have been a hard decision, and probably they would have had a hard time regardless but i think the problem is it doesn't just doesn't really seem like there's a like 
It just doesn't seem logical. Like, I don't know. No, and I think obviously you, you spoke about the video of London that went like kind of yeah. viral in Soho, people on the streets. I mean, there was a very similar video to it last year, I think mm. during Eat Out to Help at times, when they first introduced the 10pm curfew, I want to say. When mm. people would just pile out onto the streets, yeah, obviously, obviously, because they had to. Uh, that was the most ridiculous. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah. <laughs> but like, oh, yes, at least they're not the doing that Soho this time. in London this week. I mean, I, I, I've been in Liverpool. Liverpool was rammed. Like, mm. we were saying it was worse than Freshers. Uh, like, when, we, when I came for my first Freshers, it was like triple as packed. Deary me. It was mad. Oh, isn't Liverpool meant to be doing that thing where they're, like, they're trialing him? Um, clubs opening or something i believe so at the end of the month yeah, like, on like the 30th of april i think like one club or maybe two clubs are gonna open yeah i mean it's a shout <laughs> would, would you mind being their guinea pig i would love to go unfortunately <laughs> we're not going because um, yeah. we have other plans that day but we did consider it <laughs> i don't mind i think obviously from my point of view that does kind of like work out it's very just like yeah, I live in Liverpool. You're going to try it there? Sure, I'll go. Kind of thing. But it is, in a sense, again, illogical to just mm. open a club and just see what happens because you're, you are playing with lives. There are other ways that you can test out yeah. how the club environment is going to affect things apart from actually reopening a club. You and know to what be I fair, mean? Like, I won't lie. The state of outdoor um, hospitality spaces right now are clubs. More or less, yeah. just without a roof I mean, at the moment. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you have got the... I suppose you've got the fresh air coming from upwards. Like, yeah. But um, I don't know. The like the lack of social distancing, the fact that after a while when everyone's just drunk, you know, it all goes out the window, all rules and regulations and hand sanitising, you know. You've been there. You've been mm. to uni. You've seen it. Yeah, it's, it's just really hard for me to imagine it now, like in a post-COVID mm-hmm. world, like the amount of like... Even like when I was in school, like going out, like the clubs and the, the sweatiness, and they're just and the, like people don't care about the germs and the smell like, of like stuff on the fl- like beer on the floor, like oh yeah, things are spinning. People sharing drinks. People are like oh my god, it's oh it's my god, ridiculous. It's like, I used to do that sometimes. Like I'd never do it now, but sometimes like if it, be, there was a time, like I think it was when I was at school where. If I was at an event and I was really like gone, I would go around and just people would just leave the drinks and I'd just be like, oh, for me, oh, oh, for no. me, thank you. No. Like, I'm oh. just like, yeah, ne- obviously never do that, that now. That is not okay. Like, um, I can never say I've done that. Oh, uh, no, it was it was always when I was already gone. I think I was kind of <laughs> yeah. a point where I was just like, oh, yeah. thank you. Like, oh, thanks, everybody. <laughs> uh, fair, I was like, why were that many people actually leaving their drinks undone? But like... I'm not. I'm not trying to justify it, but still, uh, like it could. It could just never happen now. Like no, after COVID, like, like. However, I would say being out in Liverpool, it is like pre-COVID. It is like COVID never happened. I went to Liverpool last summer as well when it was eat out to help out, or just when things were open. It was genuinely like COVID had never happened. Not a mm. mask in sight. Not a two meter gap in sight. Nothing. <laughs> How was um, gyms? Because I know you said you've been to them. Gyms, honestly, were have not changed from when they were open in summer. They're pretty much exactly the same. They weren't even as busy as I thought they were going to be. Mm. Um, I'm when, I didn't get to go on Monday because of work, but I went on Tuesday mm. um, pretty early in the morning. And it was busy, obviously, but I wouldn't say it was like 
madly busy compared to like a normal Tuesday morning that people would go before work and stuff like that. Like it's not, it wasn't crazy. Like there was no point where I was like, oh, I can't go on X machine or I can't go and do a certain workout because someone's doing it already, you know, didn't have to wait. Yeah. It was easy. This is what I don't understand because we did a poll on him, like um, Pi Radio Instagram about, oh, are you more excited for the pub or the gym? And literally everyone was like, oh, the gym, the gym. And I was like, some of you are definitely lying. Yeah, like, yeah. like literally everyone was saying gym and That's I was just so like, mm, going on there. yeah, but I, I mean, don't know. I was obviously way more excited for like bars and restaurants to open, not the gym. Yeah. But being back in the gym is such a good feeling because I just feel like the, the home workouts and the walks, they just weren't cutting it. And there's only so many laps you can do of the same park. You go mental. Yeah, to be fair, I I I need to get doing that to be honest because I'm just kind of like just sitting inside all day every day, it's and been I don't so have any good excuse. for routine. To be fair, yeah. Like I must have gone gym at like 10 p.m. last night just because I was like bored. Yeah. And like you know when they're just 24 hours, it's just like why not uh, now? So that's the thing. Like I used to when I was um, living in Leicester, I actually lived like opposite Pure Gym. So I was literally like, it would be like one o'clock in the morning, and I'd just be like, oh well, I might as well go. Yeah, literally. Like, yeah. When they're twenty four hours, you might as well. And, and to be fair, they're quite busy at the moment. I think because of Ramadan. So Ramadan's mm. been right to everybody celebrating, but oh. I believe that people are going in the hours that they're allowed to go in the evening. Um, because obviously you've eaten at that point, you probably got a lot more energy to go. So people are fitting in their workouts then. So the gym was actually pretty busy at like ten thirty last night. That makes sense. And you know what? Like actually, I probably didn't clock that because obviously Leicester as well, like high Asian population. Like I, I, I should have realised that. Like at the time that Ramadan was that year, like that would there definitely will have been an influx there. Yeah, yeah. Because I think obviously they tell you on the app but i believe yesterday there was about 45 people in the gym and this is at like 10 30 11 p.m mm. um so it wasn't um empty at all. i thought it was going to be like 10 people but yeah. then i when i got there i realized i was like oh yeah obviously speaking of um, like celebrating obviously happy ramadan happy Mbisaki, happy, yeah. happy Navratri, everything happening all at once like, it was so nice yeah, um, bengali new year as well yes. like everything so much happened this week. It's actually really cute. Mm. Yeah, they're like coming together sort of thing. Look but, at us. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, shame that people can't like... Another year, right? Yeah, like can't like properly celebrate. But yeah, because yeah. I wanted to... I'm going home this week back down to London and I wanted to go and do the Nagagidin, which is what we do for Visaki. Um, and obviously that's, that can't happen this year for the second year in a row, mm. which obviously sucks and i suppose muslims won't be able to celebrate eid the same way obviously depending on restriction and how you normally celebrate it but probably not in the same way people t- did pre-covid yeah hopefully the next um years and they have like two years isn't it so hopefully the yeah the second one like oh, one later this year hopefully yeah able to do that um one thing i wanted to talk about as well um aside from that april 12 stuff is have you watched this um what's it called is it called, actually called conspiracy Key- Oh, not not simple. Let's talk about that. Um, have, have you watched that? No. Yeah, I haven't. But because I'm a bit scared. I've read reviews, and it, from what I gather, it seems like the kind of thing where it's one of those blame offset things, where it's like you're going to blame the individuals for using their plastic straws and X Y Z and like consuming fish and that those kind of products when it's really like down to like two companies. Yeah, I'm not trying to like take away from what you just said, but when you said blame offset, I was literally thinking Migos in my head. Like, what has he got to do with it? Like, <laughs> offset single handedly is responsible yeah. for the fish market. Theory. Um, but no, I, I get what you're saying. Like, it's kind of like 
people when people proper go in at people for um, not being as environmentally conscious, which I think people maybe could be a bit, but like berating people for really small things when in reality there are mm-hmm. it, it's a small number of these massive companies that make up yeah. the most. And when change. it's so hard as a consumer, especially when you know you don't necessarily a lot of people don't have the financial resources to shop mm. and consume ethically i think it's really hard to kind of be ethical in your decisions and in a in a society where it's set up for you to consume unethically in the way you know you talk about fast fashion or like fast food those obviously those aren't necessarily ethical practices and those are the most affordable and most accessible yeah. options to the average person yeah you know it takes it's a lot it takes a a lifestyle change and also you need to have the financial resources available to you to kind of i wouldn't say like go vegan but like also eat really clean in that sense or make certain diet and lifestyle choices that enable you to be ethical it's like when jamie oliver was trying to campaign to make the um like prior what is is some like junk food price higher or buy one get one free removed or something and it's kind of like don't do that make the healthy stuff cheaper Cheaper. like yeah i I get why that's not possible but you um reduce you reducing the um availability of this stuff to people isn't going to mean that they opt for healthy options it's just gonna mean that they starve like yeah there's just that lack of like like it's not that people don't want to be for that example healthier or want to consume ethically because I'm sure a lot of people do, and obviously the rise of it is showing that, but it's that some people just don't have the means to do it. Yeah. And consumerism is set up in a way that doesn't facilitate that in the first place. Yeah, definitely. And if it was, then obviously I feel like a lot more people would A lot would more people would, do 100%. It. Yeah. And what I was going to say is um, it's that show, what's it called? It's the keep, Keeping Up, Meet the Cards, oh, that's it, Meet the Cards. I was like, keep Keeping Up with the Cards, but Meet the Cards is basically like, like keeping up with the Kardashians, but for the boxer um, Amir Khan and his wife and Pharrell as well, and they I'd, have you watched it? Because I've heard from a lot of people it's actually like worth watching. Really, I've not watched it, but there's a massive like billboard for it in my pure gym, <laughs> and I was like, that is genius because you are getting it to the right audience. True, yeah, you know, yeah. I was like, that marketing, good job, <laughs> but um. Yeah. It has actually made me want to watch it because of that billboard. But I think I might um give it a go because he is funny. Yeah. Like, I don't know, he's a bit of like a... He's from Bolton, isn't it? So yeah. it's kind of like, obviously, like, repping Manchester and that. Um, One thing that I wanted to ask your thoughts on as well was, like, this quote that came from him. And it's from his wife, Pharrell. And she said, um, basically, apparently, Amir Khan no longer cheats on her now because he's an old man um and yeah she said we've been through hell and back he's been accused of cheating on her more than nine times but he vows he's now a changed man so i still know like what do you think about that old man thing though like do you think that um not necessarily is cheating okay but do you think you kind of get this idea of like when people are younger because they got together quite younger they mm-hmm. so like do you think when people are younger it's more likely that people are going to cheat and as you get more mature then it's less likely i think two things when you're young is a the accessibility of the option to cheat of like you know you might be going out in certain environments you end up i think you meet a lot more people at this age than you might do when you're older and also just the fact that like because it's so common 
it kind of it kind of breeds a culture where it's accepted in mm. a sense which obviously is not okay and i think the difference between being young and being slightly older is that when you're older you kind of crave that stability so you would be more like accepting of settling down with one person and not going and being promiscuous mm. you know do you think that's why um it's maybe more common amongst like say I don't know, I don't, I don't want to put anything out there, but maybe amongst, like, brown men who... Because in, like, South Asian culture, widespread, obviously we know that it's quite common for people to get married at a younger age. Mm-hmm. So then do you think it's kind of at least being, like, a stable relationship? But then even that's not really it because there is kind of that pressure, like, you need to get married. Like, you can't be in, like, a relationship sort of thing. Yeah. But um, obviously, do you think that's kind of what maybe leads to this higher prevalence of maybe like cheating or kind of like side things or like sort of thing because people maybe aren't ready like i I don't know like a lot of people they like to get the kind of they like to get that out the way you know like dating around and like meeting new people and kind of like doing their own thing they like to get that out of the way quite young and then when they find somebody who they really get along with and they settle down i think with our culture the pressure is on to settle down faster Mm. so you might have that like pressure to settle down so you find someone to do it with everything's going well but what you haven't done is fulfilled the other side of you that might want to be out there meeting new people and i'm not trying to say like necessarily people are like sleeping around or like doing anything wrong none none of that's wrong it's absolutely fine but you know just meeting new people and establishing like relationships romantic or otherwise with multiple people that you know you can't necessarily do in a way when you're settled down in a very committed relationship or a marriage yeah i think this is the thing as well i think especially in today's day and age it's very accepted if people want to like the word sleep around it kind of has that kind of connotation to being a negative thing but there actually isn't anything wrong with if you want to do that do that i think the only problem is if you are in a committed relationship there's kind of that it depends what relationship it is if you're in an open relationship and that you're you're fat you're fine with that the person's fine with that then yeah whatever but if you're in a relationship and you know the other person is kind of like you you know you would be hurting them by doing that then i think then obviously there's something inherently wrong with that yeah but like yeah we talk about sleeping around it's just about i think in our community owning sexuality in a sense that it would seem like that's such a bad thing that you know oh, the chat about body count or like she, yeah. she's done this with that person or they've done that or like they get around that just shouldn't be a conversation we're having in 2021 and i feel like it is so rife in south asian community that people really care about that topic mm. of conversation when it shouldn't be in that way and that is what also prevents us i think from i t- the word the phrase getting it out your system is a weird one but mm. i kind of for lack of a better phrase i'll use it yeah of getting that out in your early years getting that out of the way and then going on to settle down i think that's what along with the pressure of finding a committed relationship to end up in a marriage are two things that really probably do cause the prevalence of cheating in our community yeah maybe not just in our community maybe across loads yeah and again this isn't me like coming at anyone just saying i think you kind of do see it sometimes about like kind of um young brown men mm-hmm. not necessarily um being loyal in that sense and as seen with like Amir Khan and I'm not trying to like loop him in with like a load of like yeah. oh brown men cheat sort of thing I'm just saying like do you think maybe that's what it is because obviously these people got together in 2013 I think they were like I think she was like 21 so he would have been what he's 34 now I can't do maths minus 10 26 yeah so still like Wait, young 
<laughs> Wait, no. 34 <laughs> to 2013. 2021. Eight years. One, so he's 34. Eight. So he's 34. Now you're 26. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Right. Well done, Simran. A star for you. Right. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So, like, they were... That's young. Like, 26 yeah. and 21. Like, it is, like, quite young to get married. But then I'm also kind of like, is it young? Because... We say, like, oh, when people mature, like, maybe they don't cheat as much. But I'm also, like, I would say maybe, like, when you're, like, in your teenage years, that's your time to kind of, like, like screw up, basically. Mm-hmm. That's your time to, like, not get things right. But then once you're kind of, like, 18 or certainly 20 plus, I don't think you're... Definitely know better. Yeah, I don't think... I think that's kind of an excuse sometimes. Like, yeah. I don't think people actually... I think it's more a case of people are a bit selfish, if I'm being honest. I think there's that kind of... Yeah, I feel like people want the sing- the fun of, like, a single life and, like, being able to get out there and do what you like. But they also like the stability of relationships. And that's probably mm. is what leads people to cheat or there's something they're in the relationship they're not happy with. But obviously then you just address the problem in your relationship. Yeah. You don't go and be un- um, unfaithful. I don't get that, though. Like, I don't get, like, people that are in these stable relationships but then will go out and, yeah. like have a bit of fun or whatever because i maybe that's just i don't know maybe that's me like not being on that wavelength I but i just don't understand that process part of it, what must come into it is ego i reckon it must just be like a, such a good ego boost for the people that do do it like it must just like feel good that oh you get to go out and get attention and whatever i would do exactly the opposite right. to me though i would literally like feel so down like i wouldn't be able to like hide i wouldn't be able to it wouldn't even need it wouldn't even be a case of like my partner asking me oh have you done this i wouldn't be able to like yeah. to keep it in myself sort of thing yeah. like ugh, i don't know uh, like how have we ended up on like a downer again just play some music um, <laughs> but yeah definitely gonna give that a listen to yeah. the sorry not a listen to a watch the um it's not keeping up with the cons. What is it? Meet the cons. Meet the cons. That's it. In terms of the next um, ten minutes, I was just thinking we should obviously R.I.P. Prince Philip and that it's currently his funeral. So I thought, why don't we do? Is, is something funny somewhere? R.I.P. Prince Philip and that. Yeah, happy Diwali and that. It like <laughs> right, but yeah, Simon, you're not being very respectful <laughs> here. You shouldn't have said it like that. <sighs> Oh, R.I.P. So, how do we pay our respects by quizzing Simran on her royal family oh, knowledge? Get out, Carlos. I don't know anything. I don't know anything in any like domain. Right. Are you ready, Simran? Right, I'm ready. Tis your um, <laughs> what's it called? Your citizenship. Um, oh, brilliant! So, yeah. what happens if I fail? Bridget Patel's gonna bust through the door. Yep. <laughs> Bye bye. End of Manga Masala. <laughs> right. Manga Masala is riding on you getting. Oh, brilliant. Let's say. And there's eight questions. You need to get at least four right. Okay. I'm not gonna, but okay. What is um, Prince Charles' full name? Is it Charles Philip Arthur George, Charles John Arthur George, or Charles Henry Philip George? <laughs> well, his name's his name's technically Carlos. Yeah, you got that correct. Like Charles Carlos, like. Is it? Charles is the same as Carlos. No it's like the. Oh, I didn't know that. <sighs> Off to a great start, guys. <laughs> the one that says Henry. The one that says Henry. 
Right. The last one. Okay. Right, that's zero. Oh, no. It was John Arthur. Right. Where's John come from? Don't know. It's yeah. quite a king name, though, isn't it? Like, John. Um, who plays Camilla in The Crown? Is it Emma Watson, Olivia Coleman, or Emerald Fennel? Don't know who that is. Emerald. Yes, you got oh, one right. Sick. How old is Prince Harry? But bear in mind, this quiz is from February 2021. So if his birthday's been recent. I don't know. Anyway, 33, 37, or 36? I'm going to say 33. 36. No. Oh, wow. How old was William then? I thought he. Um, I think he's like late 30s. Yeah. What was the name of Meghan Markle's blog? The Pig, The Tig, or The Gig? The Gig. Sounds American. <laughs> the Tig. Is it wrong? The oh my god. How many have I got right? Out of four? One? I think one, yeah. <laughs> Doing great. I can hear Pretty Patel going to Actually, imagine. Nah, Pretty Patel wouldn't step foot in Vernon Mill, let's be honest, guys. <laughs> no, it's definitely below par for her. £77,000 a month eyebrows. <sighs> let's not get into that. What is Kate Middleton's shoe size? 7.5, 8.5, or 8? Big feet. I know. She has bigger <laughs> feet than me. Isn't she like a princess? Yeah. Failing the, failing the, what's it called? I wonder what size Megan's feet are. They'd, um, mm-hmm. they'd sort that out. Seven and a half, please. Wait, sort, <laughs> rewind, sort that out. <laughs> that was the queen, yeah? Not, uh, to, listen, I'm not on a big foot <laughs> for anyone yet. It's fine. Be whatever shoe size you want to be. But if I was the queen, surgery. Well, to be fair, that's what happened. Have you seen that the live version of Cinderella? Like in the original story, the ugly sisters, they one of them chops off her toes to try and fit in the slipper. Listen, Kate. <laughs> What's you calling Kate an ugly sister? No, I'm saying she's got no, feet. No. <laughs> Pretty Patel, come on. <laughs> yeah, what, the hell? Right, what, what size are Seven you? Seven and a half. No. 8.5. No. That is, Kate Middleton has massive feet, you know. Drafter for the NBA. <laughs> 8.5. In the wow. NBA. Right, what football team does Prince William support? Aston Villa, Arsenal, or Wimbledon? Wimbledon? Yeah, they're not. Wimbledon? No, they're not allowed to um, do. Um, politics they're allowed to have a favorite football team i don't know anything <laughs> about the royal family uh, also yeah wimbledon, wimbledon? Like, yeah i don't understand yeah, wimbledon, that obviously no. As- aston villa where is that birmingham um yeah why i think is that aston villa birmingham it's either that or london one. i think it's aston villa london i don't know it's either birmingham or london Oh, this is going really badly. Yeah. Where was Prince Philip born? England, Scotland, or Greece? I know this one. Greece is such a curveball. Scotland. <laughs> Do you see how my brain works? No, it's Greece. Why? He's, he's, I suppose he's originally Danish. And, like, he was born in Greece, and I think they had to leave, like... Wait, so Prince Philip is basically a refugee. British royal family is Danish, born in Greece... Yeah, exactly. A whole bunch of things. Yeah, and the Queen, the, the, the royal family is German. Yeah. yeah so like, 
Not Shame. entirely patriotic, not very fully British, are we? Mm. That's T, and yeah. he's not British either. <laughs> <laughs> also, Aston Villa is Birmingham, I've got that confirmed, so, yeah. Well, why did he support Aston Villa then? Yes, what I'm saying. That's weird. Final, final question. Oh what type of dogs does Queen Elizabeth own? Corgi. Yeah, even I know that. Come on. Right, what was Simran's <laughs> score? Yeah. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Oh, pretty. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> oh dear. Um. Yeah. Deport me now. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, not the best. Um, I don't like it here anyway. UK's bad vibes. Well, pretty. <laughs> come on. Pretty come tell on. if you're listening. <laughs> Send me to New Zealand. Oh dear. Right, we're gonna play. Wait, why do you want to go to New Zealand? Cinder Arden is amazing. True, but also I've heard like on Australia and New Zealand not exactly like the most um welcoming people I've heard. I love Australia. I've been to Australia loads of times. You've like, been five, really? Six times, yeah. That's I've cool. got loads of family in Sydney. Really? I've heard like bad things, but maybe No, I've no. loved it every time I've been. That's really it's been good. Incredible, yeah. Oh, maybe I do need to go to Australia. Yeah, then. I love it. It's a long plane fly though. Oh, like twenty three hours or something. Uh, Mad. I've not been since like two thousand and seventeen, but like I really I wanna try and go maybe like next year. No, definitely, like, well, once travel opens. <sighs> we can hope. I know, I was going to say. Right. Cool. Anyways, let's play a bit of music, and when we come back, we're going to be playing the interview that Simran had earlier this week um, with Karanji Corbains. Um, do you want to just explain a bit like what that is? Yeah, so I got to speak with Karanji Corbains today, uh, today, last week, Um she is the first British Sikh female powerlifter in the country. She's won the Commonwealth Games. She's like a British champion. And yeah, we got to speak about some of the incredible work that she's been doing, working in finance nine to five and then training for like um, competitions in the evenings and stuff, how she balances um, her work life and her sporting life. We spoke about getting into sports, especially as a female in the brown community, operating in a male-dominated industry. And then also she teamed up with Vatica UK Hair Care Products, which are championing heritage and cultural roots in hair care and the work that she's been doing with them. Cool, yeah. So that what's called hashtag and stronger roots, I think yeah. it is, isn't it, the campaign? Hi, Karanji. How are you doing? Hi, I'm really good. Thanks, Simon. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. So would you like to tell me a little bit about yourself? I would say we'd start with away from powerlifting, just a little bit about you. <laughs> okay, so my name's Karen G, I'm 24 years old. So as you mentioned, I'm a powerlifter for Great Britain. Um, but as well as that, I'm by day, I'm an accountant. So I work a recently qualified ACA chartered accountant. So I work for a big four firm. Um, I'm currently based in Warwick and just in with my family here together. And um, we're really close knit. And yeah, I'm really passionate about sport and it's something I'd like to encourage people to get into. <laughs> Amazing. So you said that you went from never having picked up a weight to becoming a British champion within six months. Yeah. So obviously this is an incredible achievement, but what <laughs> was it that made you want to pick up that weight that day? So I'm really lucky. I was born into a really sporty family. So actually my dad is my coach. So he's like <laughs> a former bodybuilder and powerlifter. Um, wow. So throughout my life growing up, I've been seen, seeing him like training in the gym, lifting weights and everything. So I've always been surrounded by it. And my journey into sport was first of all, like athletics, I was a sprinter. So I did that till I was 17. And I went into the gym that day just to kind of improve myself for the running, get myself a bit stronger. And then I think my dad realized I was quite strong. 
and I think he'd had his eye on me since I was little, um, knowing that I could pick up these little weights, like, um, and he's just waiting for that moment, I guess. And I really enjoyed it. And that was when I knew that, you know, I want to try this, I could do this. And that's where it all began. Amazing how it all happened so fast though, within six months is incredible, almost like we've never heard of. Yeah, thank you. I think I'm just very lucky that naturally I was able to pick up the things very mm -hmm. easily. So I think because I've had good role models and examples for years yeah. of watching, like my older brothers as well, they were training yeah. with my dad and then I'd see these examples and what was needed to do. I think I was just waiting for my chance. I was going to uh, say, so it wasn't like new to you. You kind of knew what you yeah, were going into. Yeah, yeah, I knew what I was going into, but I think never would they have ever thought that their daughter was going to turn into a powerlifter. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm just really blessed to have had that chance. And um, we have a gym at home. Mm -hmm. So um, it's that kind of environment where I've always just had that with me, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. So I was going to say the titles of you kind of being, you know, the accountant by day and a powerlifter by night, they seem like two completely like parallel worlds. <laughs> so how did you manage the balance between like your corporate life and your sporting life? It's really tough. I think um, I'm, I'm very disciplined as an individual. So you have to have that kind of regime. So my days used to be crazy in the sense that I'd have to get up early in the morning, get ready, go to work. So often working like nine till five. Then in the evening, I'd be training like six till eight. But on top of that, I also had my ACA exam. So I'd be revising in the evening, like till like midnight, probably yeah. get about five hours sleep and then go again. But I think it's just having that discipline and knowing what you want in life. Because um, you often get this thing that, you know, we're often told to focus on our education. You know, yeah. we need to focus on academics, not get distracted. But I want to show the example that you can do both if you have the right mindset. Um, you can excel in your passions as well as, you know, excelling your academics so you know the parents are happy but you're also pursuing stuff that you love <laughs> yeah it's about kind of the balance right about yeah. like putting the work in on both ends and then you will get the output but you're right with like you know the typical is like you're getting you get encouraged to kind of pursue <laughs> the academic side of things but yeah. there's another side of it as well right yeah for sure I think it's just I've always wanted to push that kind of mindset to even young people out there that academics and sport can go hand in hand mm -hmm. so if you have that hard work mindset because I would think personally as an individual I was probably maybe just average above ad average naturally in like studies and sport yeah. it's just about working hard and you know being dedicated and knowing things take time um, but you can really excel if you just put your mind to something and there's no reason why you can't be great at both yeah for both sure sides of things. Yeah. Don't, let, don't let anyone ever tell you that you can't do something I mean your parents are always gonna think they're thinking for your best interest you know you need to focus on your studies but if you can prove to them that they can trust you to do both then um, go for it, whatever your passions are. Yeah. I mean, obviously sport and probably powerlifting specifically is a vastly male dominated industry. So competing in that must have been already difficult as a woman. But how did you feel navigating that environment, not only as a woman, but as a BAME woman? I think I found navigate that, navigating that environment quite empowering, actually. I'll give you an example. So when I was 17, I just, started lifting weights for about three months my dad decided to enter me into a competition so one day I turned up pretty much in my PE kit at the time I didn't have anything <laughs> fancy didn't have a fancy belt or all the special stuff that I yeah had. Um, and I went there and I looked around and um, you just didn't see any Indians females especially and I was like wow I didn't really expect this especially when I walked in also to that competition so I had both my brothers I've got twin older brothers yeah and they're quite like you know muscly dudes um they're a lot older than me and um 
they were the guys came up to us the referees and they're like are you two looking to compete today they're like no it's oh, yeah <laughs> like right in front of me I think from that moment on I was like okay I want to show that you know girl power we can really do it because you often think that particularly in our community as a female you know you have to be dainty you've got to be mm-hmm. quiet you know a certain kind of way but I'm trying to challenge that kind of norm that girls can be loud yeah. and, you know strong and that can also be beautiful yeah precisely how do you feel about the representation of like Punjabi or South Asian females in the sport and fitness industry as it is right now? Um, I would say the representation is growing in terms of you're seeing loads and loads of like role models. I've been seeing, particularly coming up to the Olympics, I've seen wrestlers even from the female domain yeah. that are doing really well. Um, I mean, you see examples even in like Bollywood with a film like Dungle. That's pretty much me and my dad's story as well. <laughs> But, uh, I think it is growing, but I think role models, hopefully like myself and other individuals will really help um, in being that example. Because sometimes you just need an example to say to your parents, like, look, she can do it. Let me have a chance. Because often I think that girls just need the push to have that first step. I always encourage like people's like brothers or like family members to support their sisters. And like if they want to yeah. get into the gym, they want to train, be there supportive with them and have that inclusive environment. Um, it's not just all about the men. Um, girls can do it and my dream is that one day when I'm competing I see many more like me that would be an awesome legacy I think yeah yeah that would be amazing because it does feel <laughs> like there is the rep- the representation while it is growing it's still not where it should be right now right yeah for sure I mean even when I first got picked for Great Britain um, when they said I was the first British Sikh female I was quite surprised because I yeah. thought I didn't expect that in this day and age there wouldn't have been someone by now but yeah. I think People are challenging perceptions. I think stuff like this campaign is also helping as well. Um, but yeah, I think hopefully people are seeing me get out. They're trying to promote this message and then more will follow. Um, as a Punjabi female, did yeah. you like enjoy the typical experience? Maybe not from your closer family members, but maybe the extended network of like people wanted to tell you what they thought about what you were doing or that you shouldn't do it maybe. They just wanted to like tell their opinion wherever they wanted to. I mean, I guess you always get that kind of thing. I'm quite lucky that even in my extended family, they're very proud of my achievements and everything. Um, my mum's side of the family, they're actually wrestlers themselves. So they were like, yes, somebody's, <laughs> yeah. you know, the girls showing some strength here because I think they always kind of knew I had some sort of power in me, maybe in the genetics from dad and mum's side, it kind of meshed into me. Yeah. But um, I think I'm lucky I didn't get those kind of comments, but I have had, you know, externally on social media, like, people saying you know girls shouldn't really be doing these things don't get too bulky but I've been lifting heavy weights for um I don't know like seven years now I would say I look the toned physique that girls always want it's by lifting heavy weights so um, that's what I'm trying to tell people that don't be afraid because girls don't have enough testosterone to look like um Arnold Schwarzenegger would like (laughs) so um hopefully my example can help and I'm on my Instagram uh, Karen G underscore Baines I'm always happy to help people if they have questions especially girls yeah and while we're on the topic of like um looks and physique and stuff what was it that made you want to keep your hair long I think what made me want to keep my hair long is I'm very proud of my identity as a Sikh woman as a Punjabi I felt like keeping my hair long um the gears are super important as a Sikh woman and I feel like them you know showing that on stage that you know I wear kara I keep my hair long that identity and that roots it keeps me connected to God and Waheguru but it also um, shows people that you can be close to your roots but also represent your country it's not like a barrier it's almost empowering because you know Sikhs are part of a warrior race 
yeah. and people need to remember that sometimes it gets lost in the translation so I think it's good to have these kind of mementos and carry this on your body so that's why I was really happy to be part of this campaign and showing that as like a Sikh role model. Yeah, it's amazing because obviously, like you said, the gears is supposed to be like a symbol of all that and all that seekers yeah. and rises. And then the fact that you're doing that while representing our country and then while powerlifting, it's just like the whole thing all comes together so nicely. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. How has partnering with Vatica like enabled you to keep up the representation and what kind of work are they doing to kind of connect us back to the roots and heritage? I think um, working with Vatica, I was approached by actually a Sikh woman herself, uh, Remitz. She approached me. I think she saw, you know, she follows me on Instagram. She's actually into like lifting weights a little bit. Uh-huh. So I'm really blessed that she said, you know, she looks up to me, even though she's like, I consider her an older sister. It was really humbling that yeah. she said she looks up to me in terms of my lifting. So she saw me and I think I was trying to, you know, showcase that strength can be beautiful, that, you know, you need to challenge the norms that you see often you see photoshop pictures or yeah. women having to be fair or having to look a certain way in order to be beautiful but I think that's just completely completely wrong and we need to change yeah. that because this campaign was all about real women real stories um showing like the rawness and I think that's what really drew, drew me in um and this hair care range was also about being natural which really yeah. kind of um was in line with my values I like to be as natural as possible you know no photoshopping just real because I think people need to embrace that um you've seen actually even in the news with the Kardashians with that photoshopping yeah. thing yeah. you know um like it's okay to be real and normal like that's yeah. what people want to see and it will really give girls confidence if if, if you're relatable so yeah true I mean it is really important work in terms of representation and stuff seeing stuff like in smaller domains like hair care that kind of natural representation and showing that natural hair is beautiful and doesn't have to be photoshopped and like filled and everything like that to make look a certain way for sure I mean there's various different individuals on this campaign we have like a cancer survivor and individuals really empowered with like yoga we even had Raheem who's a a choreographer and a dancer himself so I think it's just touching on all these different types and we also had a makeup artist embracing like her grace so I think it's just yeah. beautiful showing these all kind of realms all across the spectrum of ages where you can touch on this campaign that we're all trying to like be part of. So I think it's important seeing these role models and I'm glad that Vatica is doing this and hopefully more hair care brands follow suit. Yeah, because I think in our community, especially that representation for the smaller like domains, let's say for grey hair, for example, or something like that that's yeah. not shown enough and we don't we try and hide that away like we you know people dye their hair or whatever and yeah. just act like, like it's not a thing that happens i think it's almost a beautiful process embracing like your oh, sure. age and like you know gray hair i think it's a symbol of like your life your experience what you've gone yeah. through and i think it's amazing so um really hopefully more women can see this and start yeah. you know in lockdown you know just embrace uh, your hair your natural <laughs> beauty and um yeah, it's amazing and hopefully the future will be a lot different in the beauty industry in the South Asian community, yeah. Yeah, because what they're doing is great for representation in our community to be fair, yeah. bringing all yeah. these different stories together. <laughs> so lastly, I just wanted to wrap up and ask, what are your plans for the future and what can we expect to see from you post-COVID? So I was actually due to compete at the World Championships again in the bench press in the Czech Republic. Um, that was last year, but because of COVID, obviously couldn't go. Yeah. But um, I'm hoping that this year I will be selected maybe for the Commonwealth Games in New Zealand because we hold our, our 
championship separately. So it might be in New Zealand where I might be able to defend my title. But the future is I'd love to be able to be world champion one day. That is the dream. Yeah. But I want to create a legacy. Um, that's what I hold really close to my heart. A legacy, you know, having more brave, empowered young girls out there to try strength sports and, you know, be more fearless and not let anybody put them down. So that would be the dream. And I think doing stuff like this and putting myself out there to inspire and help people, that's my kind of dream to help people. That would be amazing. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Well, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me. I really thank enjoyed you for this. <laughs> and hopefully we will see a lot more of you in the next year in post-COVID when, when events can start happening again. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Fingers crossed that'll be, you know, next week we can all start to go out there. And the gyms are opening, so hopefully people I know, oh my God, I'm going to be there <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> yes, I love it, I love it. <laughs> yes, and you can find that full interview on our YouTube later today. We'll also be posting a clip on Instagram and this episode will be available to stream on Spotify at an undetermined later date. Um, but yeah, um, how was that conversation in general, Simran? It was really interesting. I think the parts about like juggling her corporate life, her sporting life, of revising for exams, it was like incredible. Mm. Honestly, just it really motivated me to like go and do some work, like get with my uni work and stuff. Like it's just incredible. Like it just shows that if you want something, you just have to put the work in and you can go and get it and you can really do anything. And mm. I think Karenji herself, like we spoke about it, but is really defying both cultural and gender norms with what she's doing in terms of like being a female in the sporting industry, especially when it's like powerlifting, which is like ultra male dominated, mm-hmm. and then being like um, a Punjabi Sikh. Obviously, it's very a marginalized small group that you know that we don't really see a lot of representation of, and that's exactly what she's doing. So mm-hmm. it was just really incredible to speak to someone like that and really enjoy the interview. Sweet. Well, like I said, the full interview will be able to view on YouTube later today. Um, but until next week, this has been Mango Masala. My name's Gerns, and we've been with Simran as well. And yeah, you can follow us on all socials at Mango Masala Radio or on Twitter, we're at Mango Masala MCR. And yeah, we'll be back next week with some brand new music, some new chat, all that stuff. And yeah, hopefully you've enjoyed today. It's been a bit more of like a chilled one, but it's been nice to kind of have a bit of a break in general. Yeah, yeah. relax. Definitely.